0: what's up guys mitch from respectmyregion.com here with another episode of the north american weed tour podcast episode 71 rounding out the last quarter of this 80 episode season for the north american weed tour looking at cannabis legal cannabis across the country and beyond today i'm joined by special guest derek d'ambrosio from cape cod cannabis out of massachusetts how you doing today derek
1: oh, i'm superman living the dream thank you for having me mitch
0: 100 100 man appreciate you hopping on here like we were saying right before we started you're up in the northeast i'm in the northwest very similar it's craft markets you know over there on the east coast you guys might tend to feel overlooked for like new york and some of the bigger areas on the west coast i definitely you know we feel overlooked for la so i think we have a lot in common in mindset um but to kick it off, man, I'm really just interested. You know, we, we ask every guest on here kind of their history around the plant, whether that's professional in business or just around the plant and that plant being cannabis. So kind of what's, what's your origin story with, with, with this uh, green monster?
1: So it goes back real, real far. So I'm a social equity applicant. I'm one of the few that's made it from legacy to legal. I've been selling cannabis since I was 15 years old. I'm 42 now. So you can do the math. Uh, I started like most people just getting some from my friends so that I could smoke for free. I found out my mother was using it to fight cancer. Um, and by the time I retired, I was using forklifts. So I do know a thing or two about this plant and how to sell it. I'm no expert. I learn new stuff all the time. I've been to Amsterdam, to the shops out there. You know, I've met amazing people from the cannabis community and culture from all around the world. And I, I, I'm kind of like living a dream, you know, I get to product test and curate the best menu for my clients. So I get to, you know, do something I love. Um, so that's kind of my history.
0: And, and with that coming from these, you know, you know, some people call it the legacy, some people call it traditional, some people call it the black market, some people call it, you know, pre, pre adult use, whatever you want to call it. You know, myself personally, I always knew that I would probably see weed legalized in my lifetime. But I just I say this all the time, like because I I associate that feeling of being like I I feel like I live a dream. Like I just did not picture legal. I don't know why. I mean, you couldn't picture it. Right. I mean, me personally, but I just did not picture what it looks like now. So what's what's your thoughts of coming from those, you know, being in this as a legacy guide to the legal market? Like, did you see any of this or is it just all like, wow?
1: I mean, I always hoped and dreamed it would come, but never thought it would actually happen, especially not in my lifetime in my state Massachusetts is cool and there's a lot of people out here that smoke cannabis but when I was growing up we had the blue laws on Sunday so you couldn't even go buy alcohol on Sunday you had to buy it the night before if you wanted to drink and watch the game so so it's a you know going from there to to we're an essential business It's, it's it's you know it's amazing and you know, the like Kennedys old man, Kennedy was a bootlegger and mm-hmm. his kid was, became a president. I'm not saying that my kids could become presidents one day, but you know, I'm essentially an old school bootlegger and now it's legal. So I want to make the most of it. There was no way that I was going to let, um, well, like wall street people come in here and sell cannabis in my home state without me being able to get my piece of it. So I'm just happy to be at the table.
0: I mean, I, I love that mindset. You know something for for us that us folks that have been around for a while, I think is such a key component to m- ensure that whether it's us or someone else, you know, the legacy of this culture lives on and gets a piece of it. You know the corporate, you know, venture capital back cannabis—it's an—it's inevitable. Just like any other industry in America, big money's coming in. You know, consolidation—it's just inevitable when you're talking about capitalism. And I'm not here to bash capitalism. I partake in it on a daily basis. But you know, I think it's such an essential thing for the 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 legacy and the culture to remain here and have a piece of it because a lot of people fought with their freedom and sacrificed. You know, having a normal seat of their life because of what they partake to consume or partake to or chose to partake in the commerce of. So for, for a market like Massachusetts, you know, we we're talking a little bit before we started, you know, the West coast definitely carved out cannabis, you know, first, I guess, legally to, to an extent out West. And so there sure. was before big money. And we heard the term MSO, right. Like came in. And so for you guys out there, you're at that mix where, you know, about, I don't know, a fair amount of the country has tipped over and bigger companies are coming out. And, you know, on the East Coast, there is a lack of craft and more large scale cannabis. Does the community and the culture, is there much conversation out there around like supporting local and craft or does people not really even understand kind of corporate versus craft in in the market? And that's maybe outside of yourself and your staff, but kind of just the people and and the patients and consumers.
1: It's actually it's getting there. Um, So we've had medical for a while and when medical happened, it was definitely a lot of Walmart weed. You had to be vertically integrated. There was no craft. Adult use just became a thing very recently. It's taken me three years and over a million dollars to get into this business. We opened on four twenty of this year. Hmm. Most of my friends who are in the business who got over here um are now just opening as well. So my lawyer, he opened his in uh in chelsea massachusetts it's called western front he opened a month before me Hmm. my mentor um, their team opened one a week before me and then i have friends that opened right after me so we have a bunch of new operators there's over 200 retailers now in massachusetts wow Uh, and there's so many on the way we have home delivery home delivery operator licenses There's uh, a great social equity plan. I'm a social equity applicant. They're talking about possibly doing a fund where they can give grants instead of loans to social equity applicants to help them get uh, operating so that they don't have to team up with some Wall Street people. However, I think it's very important to have a a solid team. You need Wall Street people. You need a good CEO, a good CFO. on top of the good culture people so they need to be able to work together i mm. couldn't have done this myself i'm just a i'm a very small cog in cape cod canvas you know i'm one piece of the wheel um, so you definitely need a strong team if you're going to get into the business
0: yeah and that's that's it that's a great point i've heard a lot of people that have excelled in, in this business say exactly that that when you're running a business you don't you, even though it's involved around culture, you can't solely live off of culture, whether, I mean, you can have business acumen and still be involved with the culture, but you need to touch both sides of the spectrum, whether it's completely separate individuals or a, the unique unicorn individual that has this corporate background, but is really from the culture. You know, you really need to understand business and weed to, to thrive in this space.
1: And I think there are more people that are now doing that. And there's so many cool little brands that are opening up there's a lot of craft stuff going on river run is a great supplier of mine this guy Big Ed D'Souza has been growing buds since the seventies, he's an old school rail legacy guy. And now he's licensed and he's got a small, he's a micro company. He's got a small grow, but he's putting out gas. And, um, <clears throat> there's also just because you're a big MSO doesn't mean you're putting out trash either. Like mm-hmm. for me, um, uh, my top priority is the customers Mm -hmm. i have customers that need affordable product they shouldn't be forced to get stuff that's just about to expire or dry crappy stuff they should be able to get fresh quality product at a reasonable price and it's almost impossible for a craft guy to provide that but that's a great space for an mso to fill and then there's you know uh, craft guys that can put in that extra time and that human contact and grow something really special that only 10 or 20 percent of the market will really appreciate you know mm-hmm. and <clears throat> so there's uh I, i'm a firm believer that you need to have a product for every clientele back in the day i made a lot of money off of brickweed that i'd never smoke and The growers of that brickweed would come in and cash out and buy solventless extracts, (laughs) you know, and uh, like so, you know, there's there's something for everyone. So um, I just believe that uh, for me, when it comes to products, the options are getting better. It used to be a lot of MSOs would say, hey, uh, I have this gas, but for you to get this, you need to take all this trash. And now I can tell them to F off and I'll go with a, I'd rather give priority shelf space to smaller cultivators or craft um, manufacturers, whether you're social equity, veteran owned, minority, woman owned, or just a small local guy. I'd rather give them that shelf space, but it still has to hit the standards. You can't just get the shelf space because you're a little guy. Uh, you, You know, it can't have any heavy metals in your stuff and it needs to, be quality or <clears throat> be priced accordingly. You know, if you're trying, if it's coming in testing lower than 20% uh, tech, you, know, you can't charge what other people are charging for 30% tax stuff. It's just, it's not going to happen. You know, there's a disconnect. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think is very, you know, I want to echo that is that there is a product, there needs to be a product and there should be a product for every consumer. And that, like you said, there's, you know, the real heady people in the culture that supremely care about quality and don't care about price. There's clearly as in any consumer package, good market, the, the price conscious. Then there's the conscious consumer that buys based on, you know, what a brand does with the money and less about the product itself. You know, different people buy different things for different reasons. And as long as it works for them and they're happy, you know, that there should be no shame at the end of the day. Um, and one, one of the things I wanted to touch on is being a being a social equity, uh, applicant out there is, you know, on the, on the West coast, I don't know how popular or how mainstream this conversation is, but from my personal experience, it, I, it seems to be very predatory for someone to receive one of those licenses and the, you know, people try to prey on that. Is that something that you, in terms of, you know, big money guys see that as an access, the cheapest way or the easiest way of buying a license, if you will, is going through a you know, partnering with the social equity. Is that something that is prevalent in the Massachusetts market as well?
1: Some of that's starting to come out. There is a a recent home delivery operator license that um, the guy that got it worked for a larger company and that company invested in that service. And he's, right now they're only delivering for that company. Mm. And that does look, uh, they say they're gonna be the, the cannabis control commissioner will look into it and see if they broke any laws or, or that, um, who's to say, I mean, for that social equity applicant, could he have done it by himself? Probably not. You know, he's going to need not just money, but also the experience, mm-hmm. you know? So is it a fair deal? That's what it should be. Like, uh, as long as they uh, as long as nobody's getting taken advantage of, if it's a fair deal, I'm all for it. Um, yeah. But in mass, we have some programs to help people like understand the value of it, I guess, and, and try to um, give them the tools and the training and the resources to try to make the most of it. You know, and I think with them coming up with a fund where they could give them the grant, if you already have the money, uh, and you have the training to do it yourself, then go ahead and do it yourself. But that doesn't stop you from maybe partnering with somebody who also has the money and the resources to make you do something better I don't know about you I'd rather have a smaller piece of something bigger than all of something little so um if you're already working with somebody and they fund you that would be one thing you know or if they're leasing it and you're getting paid well and they're operating it and you get cashed out at the end of the day and then it gives you money to go do something uh i think that would be okay too you know it depends on but <clears throat> i think i think i don't think any state has really nailed the whole social equity thing yet and i think that's a big hurdle for why it's not federally legal yet because every state is kind of like a testing ground mm-hmm. you know we can mm-hmm. see like luckily when we were talking about this before we we started um you know west coast they've kind of had the groundwork and they've like laid the work for us so the east coast we can kind we don't have to start from scratch you know but in my space for massachusetts we kind of laid the groundwork for new york and new jersey and connecticut all those guys are about to go legal but we're the first one out on our side and they've seen what we've done and they're trying to make it better and Mm -hmm. i think one day we'll, we'll figure it out. I don't know if it'll ever be perfect, but at least there's something, you know, I've put my life on the line for this. You know, I, I deserve something, you know? Yeah.
0: yeah, no, every, every state has gotten some things great. And every state has for sure fucked some stuff up royally. You know, I, you know, I'm in Washington. They just started having the social equity conversation Right before Covid, Covid was the perfect excuse to continue to fumble the rock on that and delay the inevitable of the Washington State LCB just royally fucking up any sort of thing. <laughs> no bash to them. I know they're just doing their job, but I just if there was a way to bet money on them fucking it up, I would put quite a bit of money on that. <laughs> um, and it's just, you know, it's it's sad to say the social equity is something i'm I'm very uh, passionate about, you know, whether it's keeping legacy people in this market or making sure people of disappropriate you know, demographics that have been disappropriately affected by the war on drugs, you know, get, get their place in this market is something that is very close to me. But, you know, like you said, every, everyone's done it a little bit right. A little bit wrong it is an extremely difficult issue. I will not go without acknowledging that it is an extremely difficult topic to approach for a variety of reasons. Um, and we've definitely seen that unfold over the last year. Um, but back to Cape Cod Cannabis, so you guys are in a state where coming out of medical to recreational, the, the medical, the, the legacy medical operators were vertically integrated. You guys are not. But what are what are some of the products, you know, and, and vertically integrated for those who don't know means the retailer distribution outlet produces all of the material, all of the end goods that they sell. So for you guys, what are some of the product offerings that, that you guys have on the shelf at, at Cape Cod Cannabis?
1: what do you want i've got everything you know a flower is always the, the go-to that's what most people still come in looking for and we um, i don't have any walmart weed on my on my shelves um i have a little something for everyone um i have some seattle soda that is from cultivate and it's a pretty nice hybrid very fresh smells really good I can let that go out the door $26 for an eighth, $175 for an ounce. So, somebody on a budget that needs an affordable product, that's a perfect uh, product for them. And I have other stuff like that that comes in. I change it up all the time so it's not always steel. And then on the other end of the spectrum, I have some greasy runs from River Run testing at 30%, which is a small craft operator. Um, it's amazing, tasty, but he had some Durban Thai mixed with Cinderella 99 before that. We have, um, we're starting to see a full gambit. We have um, TreeWorks makes a great tincture. All they do are tinctures mm. and they're really good. Uh, so we have stuff like that. There's Coast. Mm. These guys, it's a husband and wife team. They're amazing. I love them. They're like great people, but they also make a fantastic product. It's some of the best chocolate bars you'll ever have. Their gummies have CBN and um, they help you sleep. They're like Bedtime Betty's. They're fantastic. Um, we have a new company, Trade Roots, that recently opened up. They are doing some great concentrates. We have um, some big MSOs that came in, like True Leaf they just dropped some GMO testing at 37%. Yeah. And they also uh, brought in Blue River, who uh, those guys have some amazing concentrates. Uh, there's live rosin, there's live resin, there's cured resin, there's um, you name it. I mean, I have hot sauce. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I literally have everything you could possibly want and I'm the product tester and the buyer. So for me, First, I'm doing my my research. I have my ears on the street. I'm talking to friends that have been in the game for a long time and asking them what's fire, what, what the street wants, what people want, and what my local community want because Cape Cod's a lot different from Boston. So out here, we have like, during the off season, it's a lot of fishermen and a lot of hippies um they're these a lot of the older hippies out here i love them they've been to woodstock they've been smoking mm-hmm. the whole time they they know their stuff they actually smoke concentrates and stuff like i mean it's i have all different types of customers you know uh and then during the, the peak season because it's seasonal out here we're down in like a beach community mm-hmm. so uh we have so many vacationers that come down and it gets crazy we have a lot of new yorkers that come and they spend a lot of money out here um and they want the gas and so we kind of switch up our menu during the season to have more disposable vape pens and stuff like that on,
0: on our shelves but we just opened on 420 this year cuz i heard that had something to do with cannabis <laughs> yeah. It may or may not be like, you know, the Christmas of the industry or something like that.
1: Yeah. So we're still learning, uh, but it's, I'm living my dream.
0: Yeah. And so what, what are some of the things that you feel like customers come in and request? Is it, are they coming in requesting price? Are they coming in requesting quality and are there specific, specific brands or, um, products that consumers are also requesting by name
1: well it depends yeah there's definitely some stuff that they come in looking for like a lot of people come in looking for bedtime beddies because believe it or not most people that are coming in they're not just looking to get high sure Mm -hmm. there are some people that come in just looking to get high but a lot of people whether they know it or not they are looking to use it to relieve something most people it's sleep or pain relief or social anxiety or creativity, you know? So we have an effect-based wall Mm. that there's six shelves where we have products that are good for those types of effects and symptoms that are up there. So people can kind of browse and and see what's good for what. And then we have um, the bud tenders to. uh, We gave them a resource called Seed. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but Mm -hmm. it's seed.io goes on an iPad because we're an adult use dispensary. We can't give any medical advice, but this software uses artificial intelligence to be able to ask the right questions. And then based on that person's answers, looks at our menu and makes a, a good choice for them. And then the product specialist slash bud tender looks at it and will step in and say, actually, I think because you mentioned you like cranberry, this product would be better than the one that's recommended. And, you know, they can kind of take it from there. So it's the combination of good training and good tools and resources and being able to teach the bud tenders to ask the right questions. Because no, nobody's, not everybody's the same. We have a yeah. lot of people that are coming in, like the younger people, maybe they want concentrates and they'll come in asking for Blue River because they heard about it and it's really hard to get it. Um, or 253 Flower or uh, Nature's Heritage Flower, um, the heirloom Collective, they're known as THC. They're pretty good too. Um, um, Happy Valley makes a fantastic mm. super lemon haze, great sativa. So if you're a sativa person and you want a really good sativa, it comes in a beautiful box and a nice glass jar. It's like the louis vuitton of the cannabis industry you know uh and the product inside is actually good Mm -hmm. which is really nice you know but then maybe you need an indica and you're on a budget we got some chocolate og that's grown in light depth that most connoisseurs would turn their nose up to but it's consistently coming in with high thc and low price so average people love it
0: yeah yeah no I, I can i can totally see i mean it's true listen the products and the brands it sounds like you know definitely that there's something for everyone there um what are i know you said flour. so flower is one of your guys's leading categories most people come in looking for strictly flower at your shop flower
1: edibles concentrates um you know vapes, that's pretty much uh the big thing yeah so a lot of edibles
0: and a lot of flour and and with that i know you said you guys use a a mix of some some tech and some bud tenders but you know just from your perspective how important in this buying process is is the bud tender
1: oh critical i mean for new customers Mm -hmm. if you already know what you want if you're a connoisseur you might ask a bud tender their opinion just to hear what they have to say and see if they know what they're talking about um but you probably are just going to want to order online and and go to the pickup w- uh, window and get out of here. You know, you can be in and out in two minutes. But, um, so we have two, two cashiers that are just for to-go orders. Um, but if you wanna sit and talk to a bud tender, we have five registers that are dedicated for consultations and we're trained to, they're all trained to ask the right questions and to actually listen because you know listening to the customer should be 70 percent of the job Mm -hmm. and then after you listen and you've asked the right questions then you can make an informed uh recommendation and then following up putting notes in the system and next time they come in whether you're the bud tender or the other one is hey how did you like that seattle soda Mm. great here's something similar that you could also try and There's an app called Tetragram. Are you familiar with this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Even though we're a wreck, we still recommend new people to download that app and keep track of it because let's face it, there's a thousand different cultivars out there Mm -hmm. and so many different manufacturers and cultivators that can grow it differently. It's hard for a new person to come in and figure out what they actually want. And it's so expensive to test this out. And you know, for the average person, they kind of they don't know the difference. Like we were talking earlier, I don't know the difference between a two hundred dollar bottle of wine and a twenty dollar bottle of wine, but I can tell you the difference between a two hundred dollar eighth and a twenty dollar eighth, you know. So
0: yeah, it's it's very unique to, to what you know and, and consumers are at varying levels of education. And I know, you know, one of the, the common things that's talked about in the industry is like, you know thc percentage a lot of people in the industry are like i don't buy off a of thc percentage in general although most consumers do and i you know i had this i was when i was out on the east coast and traveling around it was you know bud tenders were really leaning hard to that you know no shame to them because again that's what probably 99 percent of the people coming in request but even thinking of you know even being you know just in california last weekend at a trade show and it's like buyers won't even buy stuff unless it hits a certain thc percentage because it's not even their personal preference it's just you can't move it you know you 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 can't move it
1: that's my situation too so i'm the buyer and the tester for the store uh although i understand it listen i i think it should be around 20 percent. give it Mm -hmm. some room for curbs and all that on the street nobody cared nobody knew how much thc was in it was all gas it was whatever you know like yeah. there were no coas or anything but now everybody's a weed snob and most people don't know what they're talking about and i kind of make fun of some people sometimes i'm like do you ever walk into a liquor store and be like hey what's the cheapest stuff with the most amount of alcohol because uh, that's what you're doing right now <laughs> and you look like a bum but you know um you don't have the time to really educate every customer, and not everybody wants to be educated. Right. So, right. Uh, I it hurts me to look at another grower that I know he put his heart and his soul and spent time, and these are his babies, and they're testing at seventeen percent, mm-hmm. and he wants to wholesale it for thirty two dollars to me, and I have to look him in the eye and be like, I know this is good wheat, I know it's worth it, but I can't sell it mm-hmm. at that price. I have to sell this for that. Price. Like I need to get it for half and it's so hard cause it's what the market wants. So the market either wants cheap mids or gas, anything in the middle just sits there.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And that's something I've identified over the years, like i'm not sure you know there's just a lot of fraudulent things around testing has happened up here in washington i think it's happening in california at a much higher level than here it's too. talked about because there's so much 30 to 36 percent weed in cali that i'm just like this can't be right because when i'm in washington you know a lot of stuff's in that even 18 like I, if i see a product that i can see in a jar that looks good and a bud tender i trust is like oh this is gas and i see a 19 percent on it that almost makes me want to buy it more than seeing a 30 because i'm like this is probably some kill because I don't I don't know why I'm like they're not even worried about the THC. They probably just put some kill in a jar and that's all they really care about. Yeah. But, you know, we, I'm we with you, but... it's, it's, it's different everywhere. And I get the average consumer, you know, I, and some of us in the industry, we feel like we're just screaming at a wall at this point. But maybe eventually we'll, we'll get there. But with you guys, you know, I want to I take it back a little bit. You know, in Cape Cod, you mentioned you guys are a tourist area. I mean, me being over here on the west coast, I never even been to that been to that area. I'm familiar with the area, being a tourist area, and you said that gives you kind of seasonal different crowds. What's what is the cannabis culture like in in, in that area? Is it pretty welcoming to cannabis, whether it's tourist or not? For the most part,
1: yeah. So when I was coming down here building the store, I would rent an Airbnb on the beach and go swimming every morning, and my neighbor was um like a a retired executive from dunkin donuts he's in his late 60s early 70s and he was like i can't wait till you open i drive all the way up to boston now (laughs) so like everybody smokes here i think there was like an unofficial uh poll and it's probably somewhere around like 60 to 70 percent of the state smokes so we all love it Uh, there's plenty of money for us to all uh get our piece and um i i think it's going to be very exciting to see a lot of the craft growers come on there and see what they can do and uh, i'm really excited
0: and then for for your being the buyer your guys's process of buying is it pretty saturated where you're getting just sales reps reaching out to you at a at a, at a high frequency or is it more you're able to pick and kind of have to almost source like i really want your guys' product when, when can we get some supply Yeah, I get to pick.
1: Uh, I have some people that just pop up and all that. And I have some of these MSOs that are coming through and I like to, you know, to mess with them a little bit. It's nice to to tell them to kick rocks. Um, And it used to be a lot different. So when we were about to open up, we were panicking. You know, we weren't even sure if we were gonna be able to get product. (laughs) And now that we're open um, and things are starting to get better, we can pick and choose who we're gonna bring in and um, it's getting much easier.
0: Absolutely, and and back to the, you know, being in a, a market, I won't call it a vertically integrated market, but with so much vertical integration out there for business supply chain, right? Like owning the supply chain is is the way to get the best margin, right? You get every piece of the funnel. So how, how what are some ways that you can be um, competitive in the marketplace? um, while competing against vertically integrated companies.
1: I'm sorry. I lost you there. So competing. So, I think I understand what you're saying of owning the supply chain is the best way to compete against vertically integrated.
0: Well, I'm saying if you own the supply chain, you get the best margin. So a, you can, you know, make the most profit or usually offer product at the cheapest price if you own the supply chain and you guys not being that way, which is a structure I much more prefer. Uh, no, I mean, I think I think there should be a mixture. Like I was telling you before we started, Washington doesn't allow vertical integration. I think there should be no issue in allowing it, but the consumer wins when you're able to have a free market if you will but what are some of the ways of not being vertically integrated that that you use to compete against companies that might be vertically integrated
1: so I focus hundred percent on curating the best products for my clients my particular demographic so I don't have any loyalties to any company at all um, as long as they're giving me good product at a a fair price then I'll do business with you um, so it's for me it's all about the customer and bringing in the best stuff
0: and then who are I mean you mentioned a little bit what what is kind of the ideal consumer demographic you guys get I know you said it changes a little bit season to season
1: Yeah. So right now um, <clears throat> the ideal consumer for me is the locals the fishermen and the um, the hippies and uh, the blue-collar workers you know Um, and a lot of them you know they they use this as medicine there's no real medical dispensary near me so I to, to help get those people I always pick a couple products where we drop the price all the way down where we don't make much money on it at all it's only a couple dollars and that way we're able to help out those people um and uh, you know we're we have a real commitment to the local community we have a vip program for them so when they come in we put it into the system and in the season when the tourists are lined up out the door our vips can skip the line Mm. and come in when we have new product that's either really good or limited quantity we'll send out text messages to the people that opted in and let them know that for the next 24 hours, they're the only ones that can get that product. Um, so little things like that really help to to gain loyalty and get the customers uh, to keep coming back to us. And they're the ones that are gonna keep the lights on during the winter.
0: Absolutely. You know, the customer first is is one of the best ways, you know, being in the the business of service, even when you're not a service based business is is a is a great business model to have. Um, And on the tune of, you know, fishermen out there, what is and I I got I didn't I should have consulted yourself before I traveled out there last time. I, I got to do it before this next trip. What Where's some of the best seafood in Massachusetts?
1: So um we definitely have the best bar in massachusetts it's called the beachcomber it's right on a bar uh, it's right on the beach so you're looking at the bar drinking looking out onto the ocean mm. uh, and it's right down the street from my dispensary and they have great seafood wellfleet's known for having the best oysters there's a lot of different places around here so i'm not going to name anyone particular <laughs> i don't want to um you know i'm not even a big seafood person but i've had some amazing seafood here i've been down to the chatham piers and they have it's not fancy or anything but the the boats come in right there and mm-hmm. i mean it's as fresh as you can get it
0: so. yeah i had uh it was in boston but i had i don't know a yankee lobster i don't know if that's like a tourist spot or 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 if people with if the heads out there mess with it but i went there wanting to hate like you know because i'm from I'm, i live on the coast too and so i wanted to eat a lobster roll being like this is the east coast lobster stuff is all hype man it's just as you know this is average but i was i i had to eat i i had to eat it with a smile on my face my guy was trying to be like oh you don't like it and i'm like no nah, bro this is phenomenal i can't i can't knock it at all. <laughs> nice yeah yeah it Maine
1: is. has the best lobster i think too the best prices up in maine Maine also has some really good product, too, so it, they're like the East Coast Humboldt County.
0: That's what I, you're not the first person to say that. That's one of my next trips out there. I, I, I got to venture up there a little bit more. Um, you got to do the whole, you know, the whole Northeast a, a little bit more in depth. What is some of the things, you know, Massachusetts adult market, you know, came live kind of shortly before COVID. And you guys have really only been in business since COVID has been around. What are some of the ways that kind of the community rallied around cannabis, or just the aspect of cannabis being an essential business through the pandemic? You know, kind of pro- propel this this plant forward. Uh, well, I think the consumption
1: usage went through the roof. If you're stuck at home with your significant other, definitely cannabis can help. You know, uh, you can't buy happiness but you can buy cannabis <laughs> and cannabis can make you happy <laughs> so <laughs> you know uh it, it's definitely consumptions uh went through the roof it's becoming way more acceptable um it's becoming more mainstream now and um i think we're seeing in when the probably the lo- the biggest demographic that's growing are uh probably the above 40 crowd Um, you know, maybe you haven't smoked cannabis since you were in high school or college, you had your career and everything, but now that it's legal, um, you're looking at it as an option instead of drinking. So I think that's, um, a really good thing.
0: Yeah. And with, with kind of on, on the topic of consumption, um, you know, I don't think you guys don't have consumptions lounge out out there, right? Or is that coming in the pipeline? Not yet
1: it's coming very soon. And when they allow it, the only people that will be able to get into it at first will be social equity applicants. Mm. So be on the lookout.
0: That's uh, that's awesome. That's another thing. You know, my, the, the state of Washington, we, we didn't pass it. I don't think that any, uh, any plan to pass it eventually, you know, I think they're so stoked to pa- legalize cannabis up here. There's a bunch of shit that we didn't get on our bill that they're like, "Ah, oh, we'll get it later. And here we are like seven years later, no delivery, no home grow, no consumption lounge, um, you know, and it, no social equity. You know, a lot of these things that are becoming standard parts of the conversation. We legalize the plant, we provide equity, we legalize the plant and we, you know, we provide access, you know, like with the home grow or we legalize the plant, we belong provide access to consume. You know, the way the laws wrote up here, it's not, you know, you technically I don't think you can technically smoke unless you're in a private residence, but you live in a highly, you know, like downtown Seattle, there isn't very many private residences. You know, they're, they're all apartments or condos where there's fire code. So do you guys have any weird regulations in terms of like where it's safe or technically legal to consume in, in mass? It's
1: the exact same thing out here. Um, unless if you own your own house, you can't legally consume it um, and we're the same way Boston is just like Seattle as mm-hmm. far as most people don't own houses it's all apartments and um, I think the it's become a problem I know sent um, there are I've speak I've spoken to some politicians about this and they know that people are smoking in the street and that it's becoming a, an issue and have laid the groundwork and now we need to kind of film <clears throat> uh, do, what it, do what we have to do to be able to get it to be a, a real thing. And it's going to take a little more time for Massachusetts um, but hopefully we'll be able to get it relatively soon.
0: Is it pretty tight? Because when I was, another thing, when I was out there, some people were kind of trying to hey, a warning, don't be Consuming in public, you know, keep that on the low. Whereas I, you know, back here on the West Coast, Seattle or LA, man, we we blow everywhere without any <laughs> any concern. Is there is there a little bit of that culture out there, or is it definitely something you need to be a little more discreet about?
1: I think you should. It's always definitely safe. Uh, better to be safe than sorry. Yeah. Uh, I know if you consume on the federal beach, it's a federal crime. Oh wow, it's a big problem. So I wouldn't do that for sure. And most of the beaches around me are all federal, so you you definitely don't want to even sit in a parking lot if a park ranger pulls up on you and you're smoking, you're in big trouble.
0: Mm. That's that's a shame. We gotta give these people a place. Give these people a place to smoke, man. What's what are some of the uh, you know obviously in this industry surrounded advertising and marketing, these social media is a very uh, common conversation, the issues and, and and obstacles of marketing there. But are there any obstacles that you've noticed that are unique to mass that you find kind of restricting or, or provide these obstacles you have to navigate when just getting the word out there about bu- your business?
1: So I'm glad you brought that up. And I also wanna kind of play off the last thing that you just talked about. Mm-hmm. So I also own a limo company and we do a lot of tours. Uh, We do winery tours, we do uh, Freedom Trail tours, we do everything and we do a lot of work with TripAdvisor. TripAdvisor, we created a tour where you can come down to Cape Cod, you can go see either Coast, which is a chocolate factory, or Trade Roots, which is a cultivation facility, you can go tour those places, get the really real Willy Wonka of cannabis experience and then come by the dispensary and get a gift bag and pick up all your goodies and all that. And then the, the, the vehicle will take you to go see lighthouses or seals or get seafood. Just how like the wine tour would be. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but I can't even advertise it anywhere. So um, you have to, you're stuck advertising in industry trade magazines that don't get a lot of viewers or um, You know, word of mouth, pretty much. Um, You can't really advertise. Uh, You can't go on Google. Instagram's pulling accounts down left and right. Um, We're so limited on what we can do. Uh, The red tape is really tough.
0: Yeah. And that's, I mean, and it's, it's unique that perspective of even providing tours, right? Like, cause obviously the business we're talking about, right. You know, the Cape Cod cannabis, you guys are a plant touching company, but a tour, right? A, a, a limo service, a tour, you're not a plant, t- you know, it's not what you're selling, right? You're selling an experience, you're selling some, you know, education. And so it's just, it's unique that those challenges still persist, persist around the plant, whether you're touching it or selling it, or just simply speaking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys allow, I can't remember, do you guys allow, uh, billboards in Massachusetts?
1: We do. In fact, solar therapeutics is the company that got in trouble for the Borat billboard.
0: What, 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 was that about? I didn't, I don't think I heard about that.
1: Oh yeah. You can Google it, but, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen is not very happy. Uh They used his, his picture and his likeness on some billboards without his permission. And uh, he's suing for a lot of money. Um,
0: yeah, someone someone made a mistake, man. You can't, you can't, you know. You might be able to, you might be able to clip that for an Instagram post <laughs> or something, but you can't put that out there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a very expensive mistake.
0: Yeah, so someone, some some green marketing person, man, they probably lost their job. over <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, that's unfortunate. What do you, you know, what what do you guys have planned? Obviously, this is your guys's first year in business. Four twenty is going to be the 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 anniversary which is a, a you know clearly a great time for you guys to align your annual anniversary party with you know one of the biggest days in cannabis what do, what do you guys have planned for
1: 2022. oh man so we've actually been kind of blessed because now that it's the downtime, we've uh we got a chance to breathe we got a chance to look back and see what we've done well and what we can work on uh so we're just gonna do bigger and better things next year. So we're gonna be bringing in more brands. We're gonna have better SKUs. We're looking at expanding other locations. There might be, um, who, knows, who knows what we're gonna be doing, but we do have a, <clears throat> a plot of land that uh, we're pre-approved for a 10,000 square foot grow. So hopefully we're gonna be putting getting our babies in the ground and producing some really good stuff on cape cod and then be able to distribute it you know uh, throughout the state and i'm just really excited about just being in the industry you know we're a very small player we know that so we're just going to focus on in-house we're going to do the best job that we can do and work with the best partners and, and provide the best products for our customers
0: i love that i love that customer customer first growing grassroots the way it should be um i'm excited to get out there and and stop by check out the selection of flower and and uh get the lay of the land and check out the cape man so for people out there that want that want to find these guys capecodcannabis.com and i believe your guys is your instagram at bluetail.cc
1: uh that- no that was our old one but if you go on capecodcannabis.com and you go down to the bottom you can click on the instagram thing and it will bring you to this week's instagram account because you know our stuff gets shut down all the time so right now it's cape cod canna underscore m a and you'll see us because of the blue tail
0: you know, okay so okay that's us. yeah you start you start i know it well you start breaking into the fucking underscores and the dot things and we've yeah you know, <laughs> Been there. Um, yeah. Awesome, Derek. Well, I really appreciate you hopping on here, given the given the lay of the land in Massachusetts, talking about what you guys are doing in Cape Cod. I think it's incredibly unique. Um, it's dope to see social equity. Someone that's you know a legacy guy that's from the culture that's been doing this a long time get get a piece of the pie in this this exploding legal market. And like I said, man, I'm, I'm really excited to get back out there, and I'm definitely gonna have to pull up on you and come check out the shop.
1: Anytime, I'll roll out the green carpet for you. I would like to mention one thing before the oh, yeah. end.
0: Yeah, uh, plug my it. My friend
1: Randy Lanier. Um, he works with Freedom Grow. Are you familiar with that organization?
0: Uh, I I am not.
1: So it's called FreedomGrow.org, and um, we have over forty thousand nonviolent cannabis prisoners still inside. Yeah. You know, these are prisoners of the war on drugs. Um, and freedom grow does fantastic work for these guys i have a lot of friends from the legacy market that have put their lives on the line that are either still in jail or going through the system and um, freedom grow is doing something right now where they're raising money for uh, christmas gifts for kids of um, where their parents are locked up mm. so if you can if anybody's listening and they can go there if they have anything to donate anything counts so really appreciate that
0: that is a great point, great thing to plug, not a shameless plug. You're plugging a great cause, and, and that's, uh, you know, it's a staggering statistic that there's 40,000 people locked up for this stuff. Meanwhile, you could get yourself on the cover of Forbes magazine for doing the same thing. Um, it's an absolute <laughs> travesty, and, and you know, we just got to, you know, you know, Biden's a I'm political, but all these guys in office need to stop pussyfooting around and just, uh, you know, free these guys, man, the guys and girls, man. It's just it's, it's, it's a travesty.
1: I know. Definitely. But thank you so much. I'm honored to be on this platform and be part of this tour. It's uh, it's amazing. You guys are doing great work. I, I really like what you're doing and I really appreciate what, what you're doing here.
0: Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Thank you, Derek. I appreciate you. And for you guys, this is episode 71 of the North American Weed Tour. We are about, like I said, at the end of the quarter, about to finish out with 80 on, on this this year's season and then back to the normal RMR podcast and we'll enter the North American Weed Tour again next year. Um, for people out there, tap in. What, what should we know? What did we miss? What are some products we need to check out in Massachusetts and beyond? Um, thank you guys for listening.